This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. The one and only Doro returns with two new albums, Forever Warriors and Forever United, out on August 17th. Forever Warriors and Forever United feature guest stars including Doug Aldrich, formerly of Whitesnake, Millie from Creator, and more, who all pay tribute to the Metal Queen on her 20th album, available in various forms at NuclearBlast.com. Once again, that's Doro, Forever Warriors, Forever United, available August 17th on Nuclear Blast. When the devil takes control, there's only one man to call. Mikkel Grabovox, Exorcist for Hire. Is Satan the reason why you masturbate on the bus? I have mittens you can wear. Are you speaking in tongues? I have Rosetta Stone. Satan can't hide from Grabovox, Exorcist for Hire. Here's proof. Before grab a vox. Stay away! No, I will not. I have flowers in my private bed. <laughs> After grab a vox. Thank you for getting rid of the demons. You are welcome. Before grab a vox. I'm gonna shoot you so bad. My dick's hard. That's Satan talking. After grab a vox. What the fuck you doing in my house today? Ridding your soul of Satan. What's your motherfucking name? Mikhail Grabovox, Exorcist for Hire. <laughs> Do not take the threat of Satan lightly. This could be you. I want you to take my fucking pussy. The time to fight is now with me, Mikhail Grabovox, Exorcist for Hire. It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Speich, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. Metal Sucks Podcast, what is going on, everybody? It is I, your host, uh, Petter Speich. It, 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 uh, across from me is the wonderful voice of Mikhail Krabobox. <laughs> what is your name? My name is Brandon Hahn, and I want you to hate my pussy. <laughs> you can hate it on Instagram and Twitter at your buddy Gooch. <laughs> All right. Oh, and I'm Jocelyn Sharp, and you can hate my pussy on Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> Are we really Jocelyn going this way? That's why we're doing it. We're starting off on a high note. Metal sucks coming at you. Intellectuals. Oh, yeah. We read, we read books. And you can follow me, guys, at Rise to Offend, Facebook, Twitter, Rise to Offend, official on Instagram. This week, great interview, fantastic interview, another bucket list one for me. We got Mike Portnoy of everything, but we're here to talk about Metal Allegiance, Volume 2, Power Drunk Majesty. That is out September 7th, and I am thoroughly embarrassed that that was the opening before his interview. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah by the way, feel free to feel free to p- hate Pete's pussy at Rise to a Fan on Twitter. <laughs> and so, not to change the tone, guys, there was an um, abundance of tragedy that happened this week, and we here at the Metal Sucks Podcast, we thank every money that we are out here to make you guys laugh, so we will discuss all those things after the songs, and we're going to do what we do at the start here, and then, like I said, we will address all that. So let's jump into the Metal Sucks, the, the happier stories this the week. The lighter side. The lighter the side before we get to the, to the sadness, guys. A story that I was enthralled with is that there is a soundproof glass company, 
and it put babies to sleep to prove that it's really soundproof at Heavy Montreal at the metal festival while bands were playing. Okay, so they put a baby in a soundproof box and they put it like in the mosh pit at the. <laughs> really? I mean, <laughs> just think about what you just said. Just just think about everything you just said. I mean, if the baby's gonna stay asleep in the middle of the mosh pit, that's a that's a good soundproof. I mean, this room. sounds like a weird scene from a sequel to Pan's Labyrinth or something. Yeah, right. Or Saw. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the babies were not in the mosh. Pit. They were in a safe zone, probably roped off with like you know barricades, so babies didn't get hit by people. You think maybe? You know? How many babies did they lose before they poked a hole in the box? Yeah, that's a good question. That I don't have these answers. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like you're saying, that, like, they, like they didn't test this on like rats beforehand. They tested it on babies. Just went straight to babies. Yeah. Were these were these boxes air conditioned? Did they just put these babies in like a plastic box and it's just the sun is beating down on them? Also, is there a bed in there, or is the baby just on the ground? Yeah, just on this hard plastic. I can answer some of those questions. Okay. A, they did it at nighttime. B, yes, they're in cribs. They oh. don't have them on the ground. What is wrong with you two? <laughs> Mosh pit on the ground. Those, well, that's a- <laughs> isn't a baby the same thing as a puppy? I don't know. I thought they would just pass the baby around in the box like a beach ball or something, you know? <laughs> they just crowd yeah, surf the baby yeah. in the tiny yeah, box. Like, come on, you know? I've been crowd surfing since I was <laughs> so, before I knew how to walk. They're at a guar show. It's just blood streaks all over yeah, the box. <laughs> all over the box. Baby sound asleep. I hate both your pussies. Anyway, so... No- <laughs> the best part, yeah. They- Wait, but what parent, what parent saw this ad and was like, honey, I, I know how how we can make some extra money. Me, I want this glass. I like, like right outside of Briscoe's room, dude. I want to put this glass so when you know trucks go by and stuff oh, like that, doesn't wake him up. It's a, I, it's a oh, fantastic I thought maybe, idea. I thought maybe it's because you didn't want to hear him crying. Yeah, no, I meant That's like what, what, what parent would volunteer their baby to be put in a box at a metal show? <laughs> like if I came to you and I was like, "Can I borrow your son for twenty four hours?" How much you paying me? Uh, like one hundred and fifty dollars. Uh, no. Yeah, I'm just gonna put him in a box at a Slayer show, and we're just well, gonna, we're gonna give him, we're gonna toss see, him no, right into off, the mosh. <laughs> get the baby to be quiet like look we're gonna chloroform your baby and then we're gonna put them in the box and we're now we're getting somewhere, somewhere. Do you think they sedated the babies to make this commercial or it was like take 55 like they tried it like all, all well, yeah i mean i don't know how you're gonna be able to get the baby to yeah. sleep unless you're unless like how do you get them to sleep oh, they probably fed outside, him like five yeah. seconds before they put him in the box yeah they're like more warm milk put him to sleep before they put him in the box put him in the box Locked him in the box. This is really weird. Yeah. <laughs> was there someone in the box with the baby or is the baby alone in the box? Was the baby supposed to answer some riddles? <laughs> everybody, everybody that's listening that has a child right now is just slapping their forehead at you. Too. It's just <laughs> right. you guys. Kidding? I don't know. I'm, I'm picturing this like a scene from that Jennifer Lopez movie where she goes in that guy's head and he's all crazy. Oh, uh, yeah. The, the cell. The, the cell. cell. Yeah. yeah. Wow. This feels like a s- scene from the cell to me. That's a callback that, like, I don't think anybody got. <laughs> so not only are parents slapping their heads at your guys' questions about this, yeah. now they're slapping their head at, what did Jocelyn just yeah. say? What the cell? Everyone saw five minutes no, of I the cell what, on HBO at 12 p.m. But I know what she's talking about, though. Yeah, yeah it's got that so vibe. It's got some it. weird, like, baby-in-a-box-by-itself nightmare vibe. I think what it is, guys, I, I think you, you've really overthought this. Okay. Uh, I think that there's this glass. It's soundproof, right? And the company's like, I know how to sell this. Maybe you underthought it. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to laugh when what we're saying is exactly what the company did. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah, like we're going to... Yeah. Let's do an investigative journalism on yeah, this company. Let's get, let's get uh, Jocelyn and Gooch super high and let them pick apart our idea and everything that could possibly go wrong. <laughs> I think that all they did was feed a baby, Kay. walk it in there. All right. It's, it's in, a, in a room full of this soundproof glass. Put it down, walk away. But I want to know how sleep-deprived the baby was. And then like, Emperor played. And it was like, check it out. You guys are good. 
Right. That's what I think. I feel like that would take like the whole fun out of being at a concert. Yeah. For me, I'd First be like off, drinking took, a beer next to a yeah. box of babies that are sleeping. Pete That's just really took sobering. The, he just took the fun out of that bit when he was like, this is all that happened. Yeah. <laughs> He's... And you're going to like, well, that'll actually cut down on a lot of bathroom hookups at metal concerts, though, because people will take one look at that box and be like, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> maybe yeah. we shouldn't do that right now. Yeah. You, you don't maybe know we people. Go in, maybe, maybe. Should, maybe we should go in that tent. <laughs> yeah. So you're saying that could happen? <laughs> <laughs> that sleeping thing? I took the fun out. Jocelyn, you took the fun out right there. Let me tell you right now. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's a, a very cool and clever idea it's for an, marketing campaign personally I agree it's yeah. a, it's very interesting i d- i think there's too many questions in my head though yes i have none i can't believe you guys have all these well, you're questions. a parent oh. we're not parents that's that means i should have more right because there's well I, then it's not our fault you're a bad parent okay, that's, oh, <laughs> boy. she's got a point you're not asking the right questions I don't like your implications. <laughs> You're just going in there willy-nilly. Everything's going to be A-OK. Whatever. I said I wouldn't put the baby in there for 150 bucks. Yeah, that's true. You, yeah. you did up the price. Yeah, I did up the price. <laughs> Pete's going to let his baby drive home. <laughs> so I didn't think it was a bad idea. Well, you didn't ask J- Gooch and Jocelyn. Oh, <laughs> man. I never ask Gooch and Jocelyn no. for the listeners No, he never does. He's a great dad and would never ask our advice because we have terrible advice. Well, Hey, guys, uh, I don't have a babysitter. You guys have anybody? TV. <laughs> Yeah, we have Netflix. It'll yeah. be fine. Just call a bunch of Ubers one after the other. Exactly. Look, we'll just give we'll give them a bag full of goldfish crackers. They'll shut the hell up. We'll just be cool. call a bunch of Ubers. Yeah. Jocelyn would text me that. Make sure one of them's Uber Eats. Yeah. You know? yeah. Just have the Uber like continuously pick up and drop off the same baby. Oh, man. Yes. So continuing on. Next story. I am available for a nanny if anyone was wondering. You're, are you are you advertising for free on your show? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just a spoonful of Jocelyn. I can't. We're gonna get an email from like Zimbabwe. <laughs> okay, anyone, Jocelyn will be right there. Anyone who would email and ask for me to be their nanny after that. after the Uber yeah. comment? Yeah. Oh. They must really hate their kids. Mm. I'm thinking about it right now. I'm thinking about hating kids and Jocelyn. No. Let's next story, guys. Next story. Now this one is about religion. Oh. Yes. And the First Amendment. Yes. Right. We like those things. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That was very serious. Yeah. No, I, I mean, it was just a segue right. away from babies. Um, that sounder made me forget everything. <laughs> <laughs> it was. I feel like there's a, a monster behind me that's 100%, about to stop me because 100%. you just put them like when it stops, some somebody needs to scream, right? That was the scariest sounder you've ever played. I don't know. <laughs> so I don't know. scary. The scarier than this? Boners in the mosh pit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So She's scary. available to watch your babies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this story, guys, the Satanic Temple protests a Ten Commandments monument outside of Arkansas State Capitol. Lawmakers called them a satire group. Now, First Amendment. Let's talk about having the Ten Commandments statue in front of a lawmaking building. Brandon Guchon, what do you think? I think go for it. It's America. Oh, do you? I, I think didn't, it didn't violates the separation of church and state. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think it I violates a basic thing. proponent of our Constitution, but no. all right. I think, uh, no, honestly, though, honestly speaking, no, I don't think it should be there because, again, it's supposed to be all religion. It's supposed to be include everyone's yeah. beliefs. And when you just go ahead and single out one, you're like, this is the best one, though. Yeah, if you're like, going to have the Ten Commandments, you got to have something from the Torah up there, the Quran, yeah, the Satanic it, Bible. And if you are of a different religion, the you're, Weight Watchers Handbook. You're walking into court. 
Is that a religion? <laughs> Feels <Yeah>. like one. <laughs> so, you're, so you're a Weight Watcher religious person, right? <laughs> right. And you're walking into court and you see the Ten Commandments. You're going to be like, oh, fuck, I'm going to be guilty. Yeah, right? It, it, it gives you the sense of like, uh-oh, I'm walking into like this church-like thing and I have a different belief. So, I mean, I think that it's strange that it's even up there. You know, in, in general. So um, now the protesters, let's, we're going to get to that, too, because we like to make fun of everything on this show. Yeah. Kind of. Now, the protesters, they brought a, a Baphomet statue, which was pretty. Now you're talking about the satanic. The satanic temple people. Protesters. It was a badass statue. It was a badass Because there was, there was protesters on both sides. There were hardcore Christian protesters. Yeah. And then there was oh, the, the Baphomet. Actually, guys. the Christian people were just outside of a church that was over there. And they were just. They weren't protesting. No. They were actually just spreading the word of Christ. And then the satanic people came out there with, uh, it was over 100 people. They were protesting. I'm pretty sure the people in the church across the street, that was the most exciting thing they had seen all day because none of them have cable. So they just just (laughs) came to church every day to watch. Make sure I don't get brainwashed by Satan. (laughs) I want that statue for my living room, number one. It looks like a behemoth album cover to life. Dude, I love love the two kids that are looking up at it like at the goat head and they're like, hey, (laughs) could I have some more chocolate? (laughs) And so the the, the protesters of the Satanic Temple. Now, the the funny thing about them is that they all had fake names. They were pretty much in costume, like like Halloween costumes. They had like horns on their heads and all these things. Yeah, that's my favorite part. There was one chick out there and she's just dropping like, you know, I don't think they should have the Ten Commandments out front. (laughs) She's wearing horns. I'm so. You you used a sick day to put your good horns on so you could get (laughs) on the fucking news. I am all for freedom of express. Like I have the haircut of what. Uh, Gooch has described a Thunderdome bitch. Yes. Like, that's what my hair looks like. I'm all for freedom of expression, but I feel like if you want to be taken seriously in any capacity, it, we all know, put a suit on. Put a fucking suit on. Yeah, even if it's like black with like the blood red <laughs> yeah. vest on it, you know, and those like, you know, the, you know, the satanic yeah. like black eyebrows and the goatee Dress like the mater d' yeah. at the hotel hell, but don't fucking come in a suit of, the dude had a suit of armor on. Yeah, yeah, don't, yeah, yeah. what are you doing looking like Maleficent? You look like, like Gimli. Real. Where's your axe? Yeah. <laughs> Even though you guys agree with their point, a hundred percent, you just yeah. feel that. And so, what? But you're how s- do you look at that and take it seriously, though? That's all I'm saying. It's like they're they're over they're they're like we're not a satire group, and meanwhile, you know, you've got a fucking tail. It's you completely. I mean? like, it's, what are you doing? It's completely arrogant and and uh, uh, self centered to believe that you're going to ever get anybody on your side without trying to come to a compromise. And part of coming to a compromise is getting somebody to find you approachable and reasonable. Nobody's going to find you approachable approachable and reasonable if you're wearing horns on your head. Yeah, and boots that go all the way up to your hip. Yeah. You know what I, mean? like, I remember a, a protest. This happened when I was in college and it, I can't remember what it was about. And that's why I didn't want to, want to bring this up, but it was something to do with like, um, something to do with like, I think dancing, like a, a dancers, you know, and like stripper kind of dancers. Are you talking about Footloose? Are you describing no, no. the movie Footloose? No, I'm yeah. not talking about that. This was a real thing. <laughs> oh, okay. So you're, he Pete was in a county bumping Quiet Riot, and, and I was walking over. by, and it was in the it was in the MSU there, and they had the their their boobs out with the tassels on, right? Yeah. And they were arguing and protesting people, and I'm like. I don't know your message right now on this podcast. I don't know their message. I just walked by and saw a bunch of boobs. Yeah. <laughs> because that's it's my like, point. Is this for reals? Is this fake? Is this, but it probably had some sort of representation. But what you guys are saying is that like, if you don't show all your cards and your, the way you look, 
then maybe people will listen to yes. you, right? Yes. Instead of coming out with uh, your horns on your head. Yeah. There's a difference yeah. between doing, like, that's, that is caring more about the attention and shock you're going to get and less about your point getting across. If your true intention is that you want your point to get across, you would be thinking from your opponent's perspective. Yeah. You're not going to be able to win a political argument when you show up wearing goat legs. Yeah, when you, you know? couldn't even pass, like, a McDonald's dress code standards. Yeah, you're like, mm. <laughs> I love your mascara, but... You're not uh, allowed to have your asshole pierced externally uh, to yeah. work here. So in essence, like if you're on trial, you don't walk in there like yeah. in a tank top and, and, and showing gang tattoos. Yeah, you're in a suit. Right. I wouldn't right. walk in and blow out a bong hit as soon as I walk through the door. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's up, judge? Let's do this. You know, uh, case closed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, man. we're going to take a recess. <laughs> <laughs> That's great because I got some fucking munchies. Yeah, sick. <laughs> stupid. Goldfish crackers. You guys are stupid. Hate your I hate, I hate that. I just don't like that phrase. <laughs> Make me uncomfortable. I can't edit everything out of you guys, man. <laughs> so. Yeah, you can't edit life, Pete. I can't let it be. No, it I've be. been letting it be. I've been letting it be. I've been pretty be good like about Paul McCartney. Just let it be, man. So next story, guys. Back to religious topics. I like this Christian fundamentalist group. It's so scary. It's so scary and unnecessary. <laughs> There's something known as tone and mood that we create <laughs> yeah. with our humor we're and our back and religious forth. tones. That's Th- not a religious tone sounder. Okay, that fine. is not. That's the Babadook coming out, bro. What are you <laughs> yeah. talking about? What uh, is <laughs> well, I mean, it depends on who you ask. <laughs> that's, that's the noise James Cameron heard when he went down into the depths of the ocean. <laughs> well, that's what I think of when you talk about church. <laughs> <laughs> I, re- I, I like your comment. So, anyways, so Christian. Fundamentalist group, they used the uh, album uh, by Cattle Decapitation, the album artwork, to promote their cause. So they're the true biblical Christians, and uh, they pretty much put Roman uh, 120 in Corinthians 2.14, and then they show the cover of Monolith of Inhumanity by Cattle Decapitation, like one of the coolest album covers in a long time, and they pretty much meme around it like it was their artwork. If evolution was real, the millions of years... Well, now what's the picture? What does the picture look like? It is a guy that is uh, pretty much... You put me on the spot here, but he's he's, ripping his he's got face a primate off. face. He's it, got a primate face with like, a, like sharp, angry teeth. It's like a 2001 when the monkeys, but they're becoming humans. Yeah, yeah. type of thing. So, like, so basically, it would be like if a monkey evolved into a, as into a human, but kept monkey teeth. Yes, with cannibal like face, right? Yes. And a marine's haircut. Google. Cat, cattle to catch it, <laughs> monolith of inhumanity cover. Anyways, so don't ever ask us to describe anything again. Yeah, ever again. That was so bad. Wow. Everybody right now is just like, what? I basically asked Pete to do a Warshack test. I'm like, tell me what no, you no. see in this picture. And then I was uh, like, I think I can help. And then I was like, I can't. Yeah, wow. they started. Yeah, Jocelyn, I thank you for trying. <laughs> what do you see in this picture? I see love. Dude. Yeah, when, when Brandon's the brains of the outfit on the show, the show is know, in a bad place. It's in a bad, bad place. <laughs> oh man so anyway so travis ryan singer of cattle decapitation he saw this and he uh he wrote a little uh comment he's like hi i'm travis <laughs> <laughs> hi how you doing buckaroo <laughs> this is what he wrote i'm gonna read it again hi i'm travis i'm the one who commissioned that art piece you stole for your dissemination of little fairy tales it's by the artist wes it seems, per usual, you people cannot follow your own Bible. Remember, thou shall not steal. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> ben Scooter. <laughs> <laughs> 
You can't even get that one right. You are garbage. Your religion is on the top of the garbage heap of organized religion, similar to the monolith there, which represents the lot, the ills of humanity. That's you. That's your man-made nonsense. You are thieves. You are garbage. You will always be garbage. Remember that. Hi, I'm Travis. Yeah. <laughs> this Hi. is what happens when you steal from Ben Scooter. Hi, I'm Travis. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Hi. How you doing? <laughs> I don't know if I did that read justice because my tone might have been a little too high. A hundred percent. But we did add that. The music actually fit that. The, <laughs> yeah. You're just playing the sounder until it actually fits on the yeah. show. That's that's how it I, I just try and I keep on doing you were it. You're throwing until spaghetti it fits. at the that's wall. What it is? <laughs> you're throwing spaghetti at the wall. You guys have no. Uh, you guys have no idea how long it takes me to put a puzzle together because I just keep trying to get punched. Pieces that don't fit. I'm like, get the fuck in there. Oh, uh, you should see him try and open a combination lock. No, nope, <laughs> nope. <clears throat> okay, moving on to the next story because I really I like the spaghetti in the wall because like, I was thinking about how we can't describe things. I bet if someone threw spaghetti in the wall, we'd be on point. Oh, what I see now yeah, is is that a monkey? With I see a the face? cover yeah. of the never ending story. It's, it's obvious. Yeah, I just like the pizza. Like it's a guy. Um, and he kind of. I know, uh, and then I'm like hopping, and I'm like, I can totally help, and then yeah. I didn't at all. No, well, you. Did. It was a guy that had a primate face. That's where it was. But Pete's just like, it's a guy. And, um, well, you know. <laughs> no. So moving on to some actual music news, since we talked a lot of religion here, guys. A very happy and awesome reunion happened uh, this last weekend in London. It was uh, Jesse Leach, Killswitch Engage's current singer and original singer. And Howard Jones, yeah, Killswitch Engage's hit maker singer, if I may. I'm not Hell saying yeah. that in a negative way. It's just most of their hits were done with Howard, <clears throat> as you guys know. And uh, they combined on stage and they performed the ended heartache uh, together twice uh, while Killswitch engages in London opening for Maiden, Iron Maiden. I, when I saw this video, was just like, why can't they do this permanently? I love that. Is that, that. a crazy thought? No. Because I really think that if... Well, somebody's going to have to take a pay cut, though. Well, no, this is what I'm saying. I would... Maybe someone does have to take a pay cut, but I think... <laughs> Yeah. Wow. But I wanted Gooch. Yeah, that's what I want. I want a golden goose now, Daddy. <laughs> Daddy, I want an Oompa Loompa, and I want it now. Do you think? Daddy, I want Leech, <laughs> and I want it now. Daddy, why can't they both perform? Why can't they both perform Please. my curse? Daddy, why? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <sighs> Sorry. Okay. When you guys bring theater nerd to the show, it just makes me mad. Veruca Spitch. It just makes me yeah. mad. Veruca Spitch. Yeah. <laughs> so the, <laughs> I love the Willy Wonka. I love the. I love it all. Okay. So the point is, is that if a band did do this, like we, were, I remember back in the day, Anthrax was going to tour with John Bush and Joey Belladonna fell through. But if a band did have its two singers touring together, writing songs and stuff like that nobody's ever done that to a point where it, it can actually, you don't think the band would grow a lot more? It wouldn't be like an event? I think that it would be, because uh, I think that this is a band where a lot of fans are like me and that we, we love Jesse and Howard equally. Yes. And I think that there's some of us that may have fallen off in the Jesse years or some that may have fallen off in the Howard years that bringing them both back together might create something new and like reinvigorate them all over again. Yeah. I, I think that it's a great idea. But then, then again, I, that's me being on Pete's I Want a Golden Goose Daddy side is because I do want them to sing together all the time. See, but I, I see... I you see, see the financial repercussions. Well, I see financial repercussions, but I also see creative repercussions because, you know, when you're talking about writing songs, usually in a band, one person writes the lyrics and then they everybody's got their role in the songwriting 
situation, you know what I mean? But when you have like two guys that are doing it, yeah. I mean, what if I, they just toured together? What if they just if, did like a well, a, then it would just be a nostalgia thing, which by the way, I have no problem with them touring together, but I'm talking you're talking about them making new music. I think I think and I think that I you know, I think it would be a weird thing at first when you have two guys that are writing lyrics. I mean, how often does that work? I mean, for every for every Lennon and McCartney, you know, do you know I mean? how many like pedestrian kill switch fans don't even know that those are two different singers? Well, I know that. That's my point. It's like I feel like they're so similar. In I'm going to disagree with that, but what, you go what ahead. they connect yeah. to. Like I feel like they're similar in what they connect to. Like in, no, lyrically, I think they they have a similar style. I yeah. don't. I don't think it would be a problem for them to write songs together. I think it would be like really special for fans to be like, hey, mm-hmm. no, we no, got no. two because they're and they're both a singers in the genre. But you yes, know what I'm well, I'm not saying that it wouldn't be able to work. I'm not saying that they wouldn't be able to do a tour together. I'm just talking about them writing new music and would they be able to get back into the, the the whole situation that basically led to all the other records. You know what I mean? Like, everybody's got their part. That's all I'm saying. When you throw in another part, now all of a sudden the, the formula's messed I up. I feel like this is a unique situation, though, because the back and forth of the band leaving and coming back was never for creative differences. Right. You know, that like, it'd be one thing if it was like, well, we didn't get along, so we broke up, but it's like, I needed to take a break, you know? Yeah, it was a really cool thing. Like, Jesse posted, like, hey, you know, me and Howard get along, we perform together. Like, I think it was on his Instagram or something like that. You know, I'm bad with the social media. But he's like, hey, why don't you, why don't you news media share this, you know, this this happy, good story? And and a lot of people did, because, yeah, it's a great, great move to always show the good side, but, like... I don't know, man. It, it's one of those things where I'm like, yes. Just the, watching the video, I'm like, dude, this right here. This is – and on paper, if you told me before I saw the video, I might be like, I don't know if that would work. But after I saw it, I'm like, these two dudes going back and forth. That, I just, I it's just think two it's two badass yeah. singers just fucking call and responding on stage. I want it. I need it. Why don't you guys leave comments below and let us know if you think I'm stupid or wow, or Jocelyn's smart. Leave comments. Let him know how Pete's stupid, and, and let us know on a scale of one to ten how much you hate his pussy. In time, no more of that. In time, I'm talking about in, in the kill switch engage. If you guys think it's feasible, or, or if the writing process might be too hard, like Brandon said. All right, well, fuck you. <laughs> This September, guys, Revocation released their new album, The Outer Ones, via Metal Blade Records. The Outer Ones sees Revocation pushing both the death metal and progressive elements of their signature sound harder than ever and can be pre-ordered now at MetalBlade.com slash Revocation. Be sure to also catch the band on the road this fall for their first USA headlining tour in several years featuring Exhumed, Rivers of Nile, and Yatua. So guys, I'm telling you, The Outer Ones, fantastic. One of the best records of the year, according to me. Make sure you guys pre-order this one, metalblade.com slash revocation. And without further ado, guys, Mike Portnoy. Everybody, what's going on, man? It's Petter with the Metal Sucks podcast on the phone. I got Mike Portnoy, man. We are here to talk about Metal Allegiance Volume 2, Power Drunk Majesty, which is coming out September 7th, guys. So Mike, man, the Metal Allegiance Project is... Is a band, yet it's a true collaborations of outside artists as well as the core four. Personnel-wise, how do you control everyone's input? It's hard because um, we have to do this <clears throat> around scheduling, which is always so difficult. And uh, I think that the way we keep it kind of controlled is by having a core four. I mean, that's we kind of established that with the first record. When we made the first record... Uh, we were coming off of the Metal Legions live show, which, you know, had anywhere from, you know, 10 to 15 guys at a time, you know, on stage. So when it came time to make the first record, 
we kind of went in with that mentality. We were getting contributions from everybody. And, you know, in addition to the core four, we had Gary Holtz and Andreas Kisser and, and uh, Mark Asagata and, you know, all these people bringing stuff in. And uh, I think after the experience of the first record, that's when we decided, okay, you know, let's make this next record with just myself, uh, Alex Skolnick, David Ellison, and, and Mark Mengi. And that's kind of when we established the core four idea. Uh, to keep it more controlled and keep the four of us as the writers and um, and then everybody else is kind of like the icing on the cake. And I think that it kind of has helped kind of give it a band spirit uh, rather than just this big, wide-open, you know, revolving door of guests. You have written lyrics in the past, obviously, with Dream Theater and stuff. So when it comes to the Metal Legion stuff, um, do you actually... Are you part of the lyric writing process, or are the guests part of that? Uh, this time around, I didn't contribute lyrically. Um, the first album, uh, I wrote the lyrics to Wait, and, Wait, uh, Wait Until Tomorrow, which Jamie Jost and Doug Pinnock sang. Um, and in that case, I wrote the lyrics and demoed myself singing the melodies and handed it off to the singers. So, uh, But this time around, all the lyrics were mainly in Mark Mengi's lap, and I, I believe Alex and David Ellison also contributed as well as some of the guest vocalists bringing some stuff in but really lyrically it's it's mark mengi's department and uh you know i know that's something he's passionate about he, he has a knack for writing very angry lyrics and uh you know getting a lot of uh, frustration off his chest through the lyrics uh whether it be personal stuff or political stuff or whatever so that's really uh mainly mark's department now, for metal fans, one thing you, you did bring up that Andreas Kisser is on this record as well um, on Volume 2, and I know he's toured with you guys a lot, so he is kind of like a... It seems like he's kind of a fifth member in a way. But with that, Max Cavalera is also on this record. This is going to be the first record that those two guys are on in a long time. Was there any conversation yeah. about that, or did that just kind of occur? Well, we we obviously wanted to make sure both of those guys were comfortable with it. And, you know... Uh, our allegiance, no pun intended, is to Andreas first and foremost because he's been with us for so many years now. He's done so many shows with us and he's been on both records. So first and foremost, we wanted to make sure he would be cool with us approaching Max. And he was. Uh, he was totally cool about it. And then once we approached Max, Max was totally cool knowing that Andreas is a part of Metal Allegiance. So I said it in the video as a joke, but it's kind of it's funny, you know, that this is kind of a first step towards world peace. And, uh, you know, I, 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 you know I, the whole thing about Metal Allegiance is the camaraderie and the brotherhood. And everybody that's a part of this is part of this because we're, we're metal fans and we're brothers in arms. And uh, I think, you know, in the case of, of Andreas and Max, I think they saw that. And, they, you know, the reality is that, you know, metal is, is, is bigger than, than bullshit, you know, and, and, I think they were both happy to just be involved and had no problem with each other being a part of it. That's a that's an amazing start to a reunion that we all clamor for all the time, you know. And um, when you guys do a live uh, show, has that ever been spoken? Like, if those two would be on the stage together, we haven't gotten there yet. Um, surely that would be an amazing thing for for fans to see, um, but we haven't gotten there yet. As of now, Max um, just you know, contributed to the album with the, with the Voodoo of the Godsend. Uh, but Andreas will continue to be part of our, our live show uh, whenever he's possible. Like you said, Andreas is, is kind of, 
kind of the fifth member. I would say Andreas and Mark Asagano are kind of, yeah. you know, the unofficial uh, uh, core five and core six members. You know, if we were to ex- extend beyond the four of us, Mark Asagano and Andreas, and, and also Gary Holt to a certain extent as well, uh, you know, have been a part of this uh, pretty extensively now for many years. And the single that you guys did put out was with Max, Voodoo of the Godsend. Now, in that song, just out of curiosity, there is a lot of that tribal drum beat and all that stuff. Was was that something that was done knowing Max was going to be a singer on there, or was that just something that was uh, pre-planned? No, we uh, we wrote that song in, in my studio. It was myself and Alex and David Ellison. And actually, when we wrote that song, David Ellison was playing guitar as well. So we had Alex and Dave both playing guitar at the same time when we wrote that. And I just started playing that jungle groove, that tribal feel thing that starts the song, and then we wrote a song around it. Um, and, you know, once we wrote the song, we said, oh, man, this has like a total Sepultura vibe. And it was like, man, you know, it would be great to have somebody like Max singing this. You know, we, we immediately thought of Max, and we thought of Derek Green, obviously. Those are the first two people that came to mind. And, um, and you know, that's kind of the way it works when we write a song. You know, once the song is done, we... We get a feel for it. We kind of think about who would be the wish list stylistically for a certain song. And once we wrote that music, we knew we needed, uh, you know, the Sepultura connection in there. And once Max agreed to do it, we were ecstatic. Dude, I, I love it, man. It, it, and it's exactly, you nailed it. It does have that Sepultura vibe uh, behind it for sure. Now, you did mention that the first Metal Allegiance had more of a go-to guest. Like, like you guys knew who you were going to get on the vocals. But Volume 2, um, there were some artists you weren't, absolutely familiar with um that were guest vocaling on that who did you discover in this process of making the record well i would say the three singers that are on volume two that uh aren't necessarily you know in my particular wheelhouse would be uh johan from amana mars and uh, trevor from black dahlia and uh and flora from nightwish i would think you know those three were suggested uh, either by the label or by somebody else, and you know, weren't necessarily people that I thought of or was even terribly familiar with in some cases. And I think all three of them brought a real, you know, a, another level of diversity to the album. Uh, you know, there are all the obvious guys. You know, the first time around, we had Randy from Lamb Guy, and we had Phil and Simon, and, and uh, you know, uh, who else was on there? You had uh, Chuck Billy, and, you know, and then we we have all the other guys that have done both albums, like Marco Segata and uh, Troy Sanders. So those are like kind of our go-to guys. But in the case of uh, of Trevor and and Johan and and Floor, those were, were outside suggestions, which I thought ended up working out real good. Speaking of Floor, uh, just a side story for you. I mean, uh, I did see we saw you guys out here with Sons of Apollo at the Brooklyn Bowl, and Nightwish played the same thing. I'm in Las Vegas, by the way, and. Uh, mm-hmm. And Nightwish was playing, and I'm not a huge fan of Nightwish. And and one of my close friends, Denny, he's at this show, and that's the last. And Vinnie Paul was there, and that was the last time that Denny saw oh, wow. Vinnie Paul. And it was just one of those things where I'm like, you you never know who's a fan or who who went down the rabbit hole. Because uh, yeah, I, I I can only imagine you know drinking a beer with Vinnie at the at the Nightwish show. That would have been something for me. That probably would have changed that band for me. Like I would have been a bigger fan, you know. So just a side. Well, story actually, more I. Yeah. Flora, I, I met many years ago. She uh, joined uh, 
Adrenaline Mob on stage a few times in Germany uh. Uh, when I was still with the band. And she came up and did Come Undone with us. So mm. I've actually known her for many years now. I just never had spent much time with Nightwish as a band. So, you know, to me it was a, a revelation. That that cover with Lizzie Hale on the first Adrenaline Mob, that was the goosebumps, man. I got to tell you. Yeah, man, yeah. I'll, I'll never forget it. that cover, man. Oof. You just brought it back. I yeah, that was great. Wow. Yeah, that was great. So Floor did it with you guys on stage a couple times. Yeah, exactly. Cool, man. That's super cool. So um, with that, with one of these new vocalists, like you said, we got Floor, we got Trevor. Black Dolly Murder is one of our favorites for sure. Um, and Johan, who do you think you would start another you know, band or side project with that would be most interesting to you? I, I Honestly, I'm fulfilled here with Metal Allegiance. You know, in terms of a metal outlet for me personally, I could not have a better metal outlet than Metal Allegiance. You know, here I am working with a who's who of the metal world. I mean, if you look at the bands that we work with, with work with members from, you know, you have uh, Anthrax, Slayer, Megadeth, Testament, Lamb of God, Pantera, Exodus, Overkill. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, Mastodon. So really, it's a who's who of anybody I could ever want to do any kind of metal side project with. So I'm really fulfilled here with, in terms of my metal, you know, uh, outlet in terms of something else in my life and career. I, I, I think the one guy I would love to in, include would be Michael, Michael Ackerfeld, who's a dear, dear friend of mine. And, you know, I love him as a, a singer and a writer and a guitar player. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's still guys that we'd love to have involved in the future with Metal Legions. Uh, Michael's one that comes to mind for me personally, and I know anybody from Metallica uh, would be amazing. They're pretty much the only band not represented in, uh, you know, within Metal Allegiance. So, you know, getting somebody like Kirk Hammett or James Hetfield involved would be amazing, or even, you know, even Jason Newstead or something like that. A hundred percent, man. Now, and you just brought up Michael from Opeth. I do remember a while back you said that you would start an, a complete band with him, um, if I remember the news correctly. Like, he's the one guy that you want to do something with and and obviously he's more on the progressive side now is that what makes you want to work with him or is there just something about the way he creates music that's just inspiring to you well he's he's been going more in the prog direction through yeah. the years and honestly if i was ever to work with him i want to go more in the you know the the old metal direction of opeth i'm a huge fan of, of uh still life and, and blackwater park and ghost reveries you know the, those are my favorite opeth albums so if I was to work with Michael, I would hopefully push him more in that direction uh, if he was willing. Uh, but yeah, he and I have been talking about it, you know, for ten years now or, or more. You know, we've been we've been friends for a long time, and we always talk about it. And there was a period when we were talking with, about me, him, and Stephen Wilson possibly doing something. And then once that was mentioned, you know, the word got out, and suddenly, you know, the big rumor. But it was just just talk. It's a hypothetical talk, and. Uh, but it's something that I'm still completely open to. It's probably the only remaining collaboration with me to this day. Oh man, that, that is that is a dream collaboration for someone like me. So I, I want it to happen. I remember when I heard the story. I had my fingers crossed. This was a while back. It feels like a couple of years back. But yeah, I was. A- yeah, I mean, we, honestly, we, it's been talked about for over well over ten years at yeah. this point. <laughs> Who knows if it'll ever happen? But I, I love the guy, and regardless, he's one of my dear friends, and I and I just love everything he does. Agree, man. Agree. He's one of those records. No matter what, I'll buy it. Like I'm, I'm like you. Yeah. you know, I'm the old school Opeth. Like still life. I think it doesn't get the credit it deserves. So I'm glad you mentioned that one. Yeah. Um. But that one in my arms, your your hearse. Th- that those two are just yep. really powerful, man. When people talk drummers, 
Mike, you were on the top of everyone's list, and um, you earned that by the work ethic and the output and, and just all the bands that you've been a part of. But is there a metal drummer or peer that you feel you may have learned from or inspired you during this journey? Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah, I mean, I could, I could give you uh, many names. Uh, you know, obviously guys like Charlie Benante and Dave Lombardo and Vinnie Paul and Mickey D, you know, with this stuff in King Diamond. Those, those guys were big influences on me in the 80s, you know, as the metal world was erupting. But yeah, I mean, the, the one that I always cite as the biggest influence, and, and a lot of people always get, you know, freaked out over it, but Lars Ulrich is absolutely hands down uh, one of my role models. And it goes way beyond the drum. Lars was a guy that, that broke Metallica through his hard work and doing the tape trading and being a spokesman and coming up with all these different fan club things. And, you know, his work ethic and his leadership within Metallica was a huge role model and inspiration to me. And, you know, the drumming as well, you know, the drumming on those first five albums was a, a big, big influence on me. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he'd be the top name in the metal world. But like I said, there's, there's, there's dozens more I can also cite. Did, did you, have you ever revisited Lulu? Did you ever, you heard that record? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I, I'm not going to give you. A, I'm not going to give you a quote now because it'll end up as a blabbermouth headline. Here I was just paying tribute and giving Lars a lot of credit. So the last thing I'm going to do is now badmouth one of his albums that I don't like. But yeah, that's I, <laughs> it's, that's hard. It's it's a tough listen. No, and I, and I agree with that. But I revisited it recently. I, I went down the Lou Reed rabbit hole, and if you go down the Lou Reed mm-hmm. rabbit hole and you end up there. I'm telling you, Lars. It makes sense. It, it does make sense. I really feel if that album had an editor and and just a couple of things that it could have been something that was much, you know, more seen. But I really feel Lars going real well as a drummer. I think the riffs. If I if this they won't quote me, so don't worry about it. I think the riffs were really stock on that record. I think the riffs were really poor. But Lars, I think, really knew exactly what to bring to that project. So I just just that's my well, personal thing. I say, love it or hate it. I, I think part of the problem with it is that it was perceived as a Metallica record, whereas it actually should have been perceived as a Lou Reed record. If you just look at it as a Lou Reed record, like you just said, and you go through his career and catalog, then it makes sense. You know, if you listen to some of his stuff, it's, it's very, very abstract. So it was really more Metallica playing in his playground rather than vice versa. So I think that's why it's so misunderstood. If they sold Mirrorball by Neil Young as a Pearl Jam record, it would have been nobody would have cared. But the fact they played every song on that record, Pearl Jam, and Neil, it was just a Neil Young record without them even getting credit, that thing was a, right. a comeback for them, like you said, because people didn't have that expectation. You know, I completely, right. I completely agree with that. Now, um, but let's let's uh, let's talk about a couple of your other projects, if we may. Um, recently, like I said, mm-hmm. some of the Apollo was out here in Vegas, fantastic show. But you guys did end up canceling the the remaining of your summer festival appearances now psychotic symphony just i mean everybody loved it It was a great record do those cancellations mean the project has run its course in any way or is it just kind of a hiatus thing no not at all we actually uh we resume uh in a few weeks and we have uh about two months worth of touring still ahead of us uh all throughout europe and japan so um yeah, but, you know a lot of people misinterpreted those festival cancellations realistically it was three one of the festivals that were spread apart throughout the summer, isolated on their own. Uh, originally, you know, we were asked to do those festivals nine months ago or so. We took the offers and assumed we could build 
shows around them. But for, for various reasons, they ended up remaining just isolated shows, and it just did not make financial sense to, you know, fly band and crew back and forth to Europe three separate times for a one-off show. It just didn't make any sense financially or, or <laughs> physically even. It's just that's a lot. So uh, unfortunately, we had to pull out of those three festivals, and uh, those markets will be hit uh, when we go back and do Europe um, in September and October with our upcoming uh, European tour. So yeah, we felt bad about it, but there's nothing to read into there. It's perfect. Nothing's wrong within the camp or anything like that. It was just, you know, three isolated festivals that just didn't make sense to, to do as one-offs. Nice, dude. No, I, I, re- I and I'll be honest with you. I read into it and I was like, oh, I hope not. And uh, those things kind of just stay. And that's that's the danger of the uh, the quick read. No, everything's fine. We're yeah. we're, we're we're actually um, shooting a, a live DVD, Blu-ray, CD. Uh, in Bulgaria next month, and we're going to be playing uh, two sets and are going to have a play- an orchestra playing with us, and we're doing a bunch of really special uh, cover songs included as well. So, yeah, that's that's next month, and we're going to shoot that, and then that'll come out sometime in 2019 to tide people over until the next studio album. Beautiful, man. Oh, man, I got I got a not only the answer I wanted, a better answer. <laughs> you know, I got, yeah, I got it all go. good there. So a two a two for one. I did. That's that's what I love to do. So um, real quick before I do forget, I did want to talk about Metal Allegiance Volume Two. The title of the record is Power Drunk Majesty, and uh, and the cover art is kind of like it shows everything in a police state. Now, can you elaborate on this concept? I know you said you didn't write the lyrics, but it, what is yeah, that? That's Mark, Mark Mengi's thing, actually. Okay. I, I will say, um, the original cover that he worked on that I saw would have been hugely controversial uh, because it, it, it included somebody that looked very much like uh, uh, our, our current president. Mm-hmm. And uh, once we saw that version, it was like, you know, look, regardless of how you feel, we, we can't go with that. That's just going to be way too dividing. So, uh you know, the, the artwork got changed to be a little bit more neutral and a little more general. Uh, but honestly, the, the whole concept um, of the artwork and as well as the title, that's, that's Mark Mengi. It's got an old... I guess you could say Power Drunk, Power Drunk Majesty would be uh, Alex, Mark, and myself. Alex would be the power, Mark would be the drunk, and Majesty would be me because that was Dream Theater's original name. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly true, man. Well, so that's that's something. And it does have that. It, it looks like an 80s thrash kind of cover art and revival. Yeah, totally. So, totally. Yeah, it had all It that. looked like an early Megadeth cover or something like that. So why didn't Dave Elvison get a, a word? Why isn't it Power, Drunk, Majesty, Nicest Guy in Metal? Why, it didn't work for you guys? <laughs> power, it, it, with him, it would have been Power... Sober drunk majesty. There, yeah, there you he would have been representing the sober to to to, to Mengzi's drunk. No, honestly, that, that that's not written because of me, Alex, and Mark. I just thought of that off the top of my head. It's just yeah, no, I funny, it, yeah. funny coincidence. <laughs> Sweet man. So uh, moving on to just another question about another one of your projects, the Winery Dogs. Um, you guys are on a break, um, and uh, I believe I read it was just to keep things fresh and stale, which is great. Um, I did read usually, uh, just recently that Richie said that he enjoys the freedom and flexibility of releasing singles instead of uh, albums. And then uh, it made me think about, about you know, the band Winery Dogs in general. But how do you feel about that? I think, uh, I think it's a cool idea. And honestly, I think something like that really works for Richie's mentality. I think part of the reason Richie needed a break from the Winery Dogs is because he hates, uh, you know, having to be strapped down by 
deadlines and, and scheduling and things like that. He likes to just float on his own and do his own thing without any, you know, deadlines or, or um, needs hanging above his head. I think, you know, with the winery dogs, it started to become that. It started to become very structured, very scheduled, very, you know, uh, you know, people waiting for deadlines, and I think that made him crazy. So from him saying the idea he liking the freedom and the flexibility of doing things or one-off songs, I could totally see that. It, it would work for him. And, and honestly, maybe that's a good solution for future winery dogs music because I know it's hard to tie him down. You know, Billy and I would love to do another album or go out on the road, but it's hard to tie Richie down to the commitment. So maybe maybe that's a good solution, just speaking off the top of my head, hypothetically. You know, maybe we could just bang out a couple songs and maybe go do some shows in the summer and keep it simple. You know, that thing, I think with Richie, he just likes to keep it simple. He's not used to being in a full-time band. And, and compromise is, is so important in music, especially like for, for fans when, when you put out the material you guys did in the last two records and the shows you guys did. I mean, it's just one of those things where like, dude, we'll take anything on, on, on a certain level just to get it out there. You know? Well, we hit it hard. And, that, yeah. you know, we didn't know it was going to be that, that um, widely accepted. You know, once we, once we put out the first album, we went out there and did 100 shows all around the world. And then, uh, you know, the label put us back in the studio. We did another album. Then we went out and did another year on the road. So I think nobody ex- anticipated that kind of uh, acceptance, which which you know made for a lot of committing, and I think that's you know that's what freaks Richie out a bit, and I think he just needed to take a step back and catch his breath. But I know he loves the winery dogs just as Billy and I do, so hopefully there's more in the future. Excellent, man. So uh, one thing I'm a parent, man. I, I got a, a two and a half year old son, and the one one thing that I always try to to do is I want him to be a fan of metal. I want him to be a fan of rock. And I know that's out of my control. There's nothing I can do. But see, Mike, you did it real well. You, your son, he's drumming. Everything's great. Is there a secret to that? Is there a way to like kind of make sure they're going to love the same stuff as you? Or is it just by chance? You, you can't force anything on, on kids, whether it be musical taste or film taste or a job or whatever. You gotta, You know, kids have to find their way to what interests them. And in my case, you know, Max grew up surrounded by metal and progressive music, so I think he gravitated towards that. But actually, my daughter, for instance, my daughter is a Beatles fanatic like I am, but now she's also a music theater, you know, um, uh, student. So she's into, like, Broadway music and stuff like that, which is not really my thing. And she's into a lot of pop singers, which is not really my thing. So she found her own voice. And even what Max is doing, uh, his band Tala, their EP just came out today and they just dropped a new video. And what they're doing is uh, really different from anything I've ever done in my career. They're, they're way more into the, the hardcore scene like, you know, Code Orange or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Slipknot and Korn and Dillinger Escape Plan. They're more in, in that kind of style, which is not really anything I've ever done. So I like that Max, you know, kind of grew up listening to metal and, and all that stuff, but he's actually branched off onto his own. He keeps turning me on to stuff. I mean, just this week, he turned me on to the, the, the new album by Vane, v, V-E-I-N, mm-hmm. they're a hardcore band. Yeah. And, oh, it blows my mind. It's one of my favorite albums of the year now, and it's an album that, that my son actually turned me on to. Awesome. And so that, the tables are finally turning. That's what I want, man. That's what I want. I just, don't push, don't, don't force it. I just got to... L- kind of like put it in front of him and see if he grabs it that's that's what i'm trying to do yeah exactly <laughs> i have a i have the my record collections my cds i'm still very much into the uh 
you know, the, that format. I'm not into the streaming stuff. And I'm virtually making a room of a, like a blockbuster video in a music store. So when he's like 16, that he can browse it like in my house. Right. And I'm hoping that will uh, just sort of convince him. Now, if I go through all this trouble and he doesn't care, then yeah, my heart will break a little bit. I'll be honest. My kids were surrounded by music, like you said. I have, you know, I have a a music library filled with thousands or tens of thousands of CDs that they grew up, you know, listening to. Or same with my film collection. I have like tens of thousands of DVDs and Blu-rays. So, you know, if it's in the house and you're watching it and you're listening to it, your kids will eventually be open to it. And you know, if they're surrounded by it, they'll, they'll likely eventually take to it. Yes. That's my plan. So I like to hear that, man. So do you think your son does have the same opportunities uh, to be a career musician as you did because of the way the industry is now? Well, the industry these days is is absolutely so disheartening and so tough to break through at this point. I mean, on one hand, kids have the opportunity to get their music heard and exposed because of the Internet. You know, so you could, you know record an album and make a video and put it out there and it'll be seen everywhere from Australia to Iowa and everywhere in between without the record labels have said that's the upside but the bad side is is that you know you can't make a living off of it these days you know it's very hard for any musicians even the established ones to make a living off of it because nobody's buying the products nobody's buying the CDs nobody's buying the downloads it's all illegal it's all on Spotify it's all on YouTube so uh, in that sense it's very, very tough for younger musicians these days. And uh, I think Max has a, a little bit of an advantage because he's got the experiences he's learned through me. And he has, uh, you know, his last name is Portnoy, so that's going to get his foot in the door in a lot of cases. But, you know, whether or not he can make a living off of it or be successful at it, you know, that's, that, you know, that's in his hands. And I know it's hard for young musicians these days. So uh, once again, everybody... Uh I just want everybody to know Metal Allegiance Volume 2, Power Drunk Majesty. It's coming out September 7th. Mike, dude, I just want to thank you so much, dude, for calling into the Metal Sucks podcast. My, my pleasure, man. No problem. Thank you. we
the Metal Sucks Podcast. If it's punk, metal, or rock, Rockabilia is your one-stop shop for all band merch. They have over 500,000 items to choose from. Hard to find stuff that you can't get anywhere else with the largest selection of music merchandise available in the world. Doesn't matter if it's hats, shirts, autograph items, patches for your battle vest, Rockabilia will have you covered. And everything is officially licensed. Don't fall for the Chinese counterfeit band merch on Amazon or the targeted Facebook post promoting a bootleg product. If you support Rockabilia, you're supporting the artists. Been around since 1987 with 30 years of giving you the best memorabilia. And for special discounts, use the promo code PCJabberJaw. So for your punk, metal, and rock memorabilia, there's only one place to go. www.rockabilia.com Alright guys, and we are back. The first song you heard, guys, is off of Metal Allegiance Volume 2, Power Drunk Majesty. 
That track is called Voodoo of the Godsend, and that is featuring Max Cavalera. The second song you guys heard is a song off of Mike's son's bad, Max Portnoy. That's Tala, and that song is called Cottonmouth. Their EP is out now. It just came out this last week. It's called No One Should Read This, guys. Definitely check it out. And with that, guys, like I said, a lot of sad stories did happen this week. We posted our, our own uh, personal episode about Jill Janice passing, and then also um, a lot of people did pass away this week in the in the community of music and metal. Aretha Franklin was a, a huge influence on everybody that ever uh, sang or did any kind of music, so the passing of her is, is an icon leaving. Another person that passed this week is former Primer 55 uh, singer Jason, Jason uh, Luttrell. Uh, he passed away with a, a lengthy fight against hepatitis C. Um, his uh, former bandmate is, is Josh Toomey. He does a podcast called Talk Toomey. Him and Bobby Burns did an episode this week. Um, highly recommend you guys check that out and support uh, Toomey and, and everything he does. Also, from Annihilator vocalist Randy Rampage, also from DOA, he passed away. If you guys haven't ever experienced uh, DOA, uh, definitely check him out. And he was on the Alice in Hell Annihilator record. Now, Annihilator, I'm a fan of pretty much everything they've done, but um, that is probably the must-starting point for anybody that wants to get into Annihilator. And then the last story that we got was that... Um, Jonathan Davis's wife, uh, Devin Davis, at 39, she passed away as well this week um, after a battle with addiction and other things. So a lot of tragedies. Us here at the Metal Sucks podcast and everybody at Metal Sucks, uh, our heart goes out to all the people that are hurting this week, all the families um, and all the passing. So with that, guys, make sure you check out Randy Rampage. Check out some Primer 55. Definitely check out some Huntress. And, um, you know, and if not do yourself a favor and listen to a complete Aretha Franklin album. All right, that guys, we will talk to you next week. Metal sucks podcast over and out. The metal sucks podcast is signing off. This is the Jabberjaw podcast network. <laughs>